I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to The Tinderbox. We are the podcast for matchsticks and gasoline. Calgary Flames website for SB Nation. Small crew today, Michael and Mark this afternoon. Michael, how you doing up there? Oh, I'm doing pretty well, Mark. How are you doing? I'm lovely. It's snowing here. So I woke up this afternoon to snow. So the Canadian weather has made its way down here. I mean, it's not um, it's not odd to get snow in Massachusetts in April, just pretty much this late in the year. It's kind of not unheard of, but it doesn't happen that often. And I have two lacrosse games this weekend, so the snow needs to go away. But that's the weather report, so we're glad we got that out of the way. Um, usual way to start the podcast. Michael, the Flames have won three in a row. Um, things are looking up, but um, as a third of uh, fourth place, I mean, there's still Montreal's got games in hand, obviously, because they had a longer break. But, I mean, what happens if Calgary wins tonight, Michael? I mean, I there was a stat that said what the flames had to win like 11 of their final 15 and Montreal had to go 500. Uh, the Canadians aren't really playing well and Montreal's the only team Calgary's really played well against this season. Yeah. I think if the flames can pull it up to date, it co- becomes more of a legitimate conversation right now. It's kind of fun to be like, Hey, they're getting close, but between the games in hand and kind of how everything's trending, you really still don't feel like they're really back yet, but they win today with three against Montreal next week. They can really start to put some doubt in the minds of the Canadians, and then suddenly all the pressure is on them to start to perform because the Flames really at this point, there's a 90% chance their season's over anyway, so they're kind of just playing it out at this point. But Montreal's the one feeling the pressure to stay ahead of Calgary and now Vancouver as well. And I don't know, something about the Flames, when there's not as much pressure on them, they seem to kind of pick it up, and we'll see if that's enough to maybe catch up to Vancouver or to Montreal by next week. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things where like, usually when you're playing spoiler, you know, you're, you're way out of it. You know, you're one of those teams that's, you know, 10, 15 games out and you know, that's the end of it. But Calgary is playing spoiler, but like playing like almost a true spoiler at this point. Um, And, you know, you know, true confession, 100%. I am, I don't think they're going to get in. I just don't think they, this is one of those, oh, they won three games in a row. Let's see how it goes. And I just, you know me, I'm, we, we joked earlier, we we're going to play good cop, bad cop. And I was clearly going to be the bad cop in this because I just don't think they have it in them. Um, am I wrong? You know, I don't think so. Just because it, it just seems a little bit too far-fetched at this point with everything we've seen. But I don't, if, if this was a regular year, because when you look at the Flames schedule going down the stretch, they don't have the Leafs anymore. I think they only have one game against the Jets, like, they're playing the Canucks and Sens six times combined in Montreal four more times and then just a couple against the Oilers, I think. And it's like those are teams that in theory they should be able to beat more often than not. But as we've seen this year, like the teams they should beat, they haven't beaten. So I don't have confidence in it, but I'm not like totally it's over at this point just because we have seen some positives lately. But yeah, no, I think realistically they're probably done. Maybe we'll see a miracle, but yeah, I'm not holding my breath anymore. 
Well, let's jump into that transition right now. Looking, the schedule was re-released today again um, with the makeup games with Vancouver slotted in, and this could all change because um, it sounds like Vancouver is still going to have to spend some time away because they've just been – that's a nightmare scenario for them. I don't think anybody wishes that on anybody or any other team, no matter like how big the, of a rival they are. Um, what Vancouver is going through is absolutely terrible, and you know, you wish everybody out there the best. You hope they get healthy soon, and hockey's really not that important at this point. Um, in British Columbia, but you look down the schedule, it's Montreal tonight, then Ottawa, Montreal, 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 Edmonton, Edmonton, Winnipeg, Ottawa, and then closing out four against Vancouver, putting Calgary season ending on May 19th. Um, you kind of look through it and it sounds silly, but after tonight, like it, that's a tough stretch because Ottawa's not been an easy out. I think Montreal is the only team they're above 500 against this season. And we all know the Edmonton games, you know, those things can swing one way or another. It can be five nothing or it can be seven to one. So the schedule isn't exactly um, helping Calgary, but I guess you're going to kind of see what this team has, right? If uh, Are they going to be able to pound through and power through that schedule or are we going to see them fold after maybe they win tonight? But, you know, that four game stretch between Ottawa and three against Montreal, I think is probably what defines the season. Um, so that kind of makes sense. Is that a, are you looking at, at those four games potentially as where the season goes? Yeah, I think you have to at this point between today and those next four. Like that's that's going to be it pretty much. And um, I say that I think they when I was first looking at this kind of little stretch here, I think I said the Flames had to pick up eleven of fourteen points going up to after that Montreal game. And so far they're sitting at six for six here. So like it is pretty impressive to see that they are finally picking up the points. But yeah, if they if they don't probably win, I'd say four of these next five then you can pretty much call the season done at that point. Yeah. And honestly, if they, if they win, say they win three out of those four, or if you count tonight's game, four out of those five, and they take, I don't know, three out of the four from Montreal, like that's got to put some doubt into the Canadians heads. They got to be like, you know, we, we actually really have to play winning hockey. Now we've got to win almost the whole way out because we have three extra games that are sitting there waiting for us at the end of the season that Calgary doesn't have, but the flames are now all of a sudden put the ball on their court. So it's it's definitely going to be interesting. I will I will give it that. Um, now, schedule aside, uh, Jacob Markstrom. We were joking last week or earlier this week after the trade deadline with Riddick being gone that like Markstrom probably won't sit again for the rest of the season. Um, and honestly, I don't know how you couldn't sit how you can sit him. I mean, there is one back to back April twenty third and twenty fourth against Montreal. But you look at his numbers against Montreal. He's 4-0 against Montreal. His goals against is 0.75, and he's got a 9.71 save percentage against the team the Flames are, I'm using air quotes here, chasing in the playoff hunt. Um, Markstrom seems to come back to life, no? Yeah, he seems to, maybe just like the other guys, that little bit of time off helped him kind of unwind too. But for whatever reason, he's just kind of found this gear again that I don't think he's really had since the first part of the season. And um yeah, like I think we were saying before, for them to have any chance of even making the playoffs, like if they need him to be at this level pretty much down the stretch. Obviously not, he's not going to keep up this one goal against per game kind of thing that we've seen over the last few, but just being a solid goaltender down the stretch that he really was in the last few weeks or month or so, like if the Flames can get this kind of level, like obviously he'll start until they're out of it and then who knows like he he's providing exactly what they need. And I think that's why they signed him was for runs like this that they need to make. Yeah. I think it's his play has been 
excellent as of late. The Flames have also been able to put some pucks in the net, which is a huge thing. Sean Monaghan hit the uh, the empty net the other night, and it seems like it's been forever since the Flames have put in an empty net goal because they did miss it a couple times. So it was nice to see them finally put one in. Um, in that game, though, a couple things we want to touch on real quick. Um, Mark Giordano had the game-winning goal. Uh, well, he's credited with the game-winning goal, and it was the 22nd of his career. That's the most by a Flames defenseman in franchise history, so that was pretty sweet. And um, Michael Backlund played in his 731st career game. He passed Joel Otto. He's in sixth place all time. It's like it's crazy to think that like some of these guys that are playing now have just started to climb the ladder and pass guys that I grew up watching. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? Like even a guy like Johnny Gaudreau, his game-winning goal like in overtime, and he's now like. I think he's like six or something all time in Flames history. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, it really is. It's um, it's good to see these guys still getting their names in the record book. Like at this point, even if they're not retired jersey level players, guys like Giordano and Backlund will go down as kind of all time Flames just because they've been around so long. And um, yeah, I think those are the kind of guys that you always think back fondly of. So yeah, it's nice to see them gain some recognition and moving their way up the various leaderboards and uh yeah good on them nice to see them contributing a bit more too here because i know they've both had their struggles this season yeah it was funny to look at backland and think he's played 731 career games because you know backland's really come alive what would you say last five six years maybe you know he had a, it took a while for him to get to where he is now so you then you think wow yeah he actually has played that many games in a flames uniform but it's only been I don't know, you know, pick a number for how many years it's been where he's been a real key contributor to them. So, you know, but you all know I love Michael Backlund. So that was that was good to see. Um, anything else you want to add before we take a quick break? No, I'm, I think I'm good for now. All right. We're going to take a quick break here on the Tinderbox. When we come back, we're going to uh, look ahead to tonight's game against Montreal. Um, we'll take some reader questions as well in the second half of the podcast. So we will be right back on the Tinderbox. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And welcome back to the Tinderbox. We are the podcast for Matchsticks and Gasoline, the Calgary Flames website for SB Nation. It's Mark and Michael today. Uh, we went over a little bit of what the schedule has coming for the Flames, how they've been playing. Jacob Markstrom seems to be back. Um, going to hop into some reader questions right now, if that's all right with you, Michael. We did uh, put some stuff out there this afternoon, and people had some um, some questions. Uh, first one is one I think we touched upon um, last week, but uh, we can go over it once again, and it's... Um, uh kj bomber 34 on twitter asked us will or should we see anyone from stockton up soon phillips or rosetska question mark um i'll kind of throw my thoughts in and then i'll toss the old proverbial football over to you michael um listening to sutter speak this week in the past week i don't think we're probably going to see any kids come in unless it's a major injury or the flames go on a skid where they lose like five out of their next six six out of their next seven i think He's pushing with what he's got for veterans, and it's probably a hard sell at this point to tell guys like Gaudreau and Gio and Lucic and Backlund just to be like, hey, gang, listen, we're going to bring some kids up because we're out of this. I don't know how you tell those caliber players that you're bailing on the season with 
13 games left. So um, unfortunately, I don't think we're going to see anybody unless the Calgary goes on some sort of horrific losing streak. What are your thoughts? Well, yeah, I think that's a fair point. And like you said, it's going to be hard to really say you're anything but kind of giving up on the season when you start to play these guys. Um, I know they did call up Adam Rizicke to the taxi squad a few days ago. I don't know. He's just been sitting there since then, which is too bad because Stockton's been playing a couple games since, which he hasn't been in the lineup for. But, um, no, I still think I'd like to see him or Matt Phillips get in over um, Nordstrom on that third line right wing spot. I think it's been like with Lucic and Backlund and then Nordstrom's been the third guy there. And I know we're kind of mixed on him, but like, I just, I think we still could see a lot more from that line if they had someone like a Ruzicka or a Phillips playing in there and getting a shot. And I think you could even make the case that because they have had good seasons in Stockton that like you wouldn't really be giving up quite yet on the season if you just got one of them in. Obviously, if you bring up like four guys, then we might be having a different discussion, but I would like to see one of them get in there, just get a few games under their belt. But like you said, I understand that they can't really just even bring up one guy might start to put some doubt with the team. And when you're on a bit of a roll like they are right now, you don't really want to change anything just in case like one thing could set it all off again. So no, I agree with you there. Yeah, no, that's a valid point too, about not wanting to upset the apple cart as things are going well. I mean, we were kind of like, you know, we all agreed that we'd seen enough of Nordstrom and Levo, and then Levo comes out and pumps in a goal. And, you know, and Richie had some jump to his game. So as much as those guys are, you know, pluggers and, you know, lunch pail guys, they're still contributing to a certain degree and the Flames are winning. So at, you know, a three-game winning streak, I don't see how you can um, exactly make changes when you're winning. So, um, yeah, I think we're both on the same page. But thank you, Carl, for that question. We really appreciate it. Um at Despo Hockey, uh, Sebastian asked us um, to talk about the growth of Noah Hannafin. Um, I think if you've listened to this podcast at all, you know that I carry the Noah Hannafin flag and wave it pretty, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, pretty enthusiastically. Um, I think Hannafin's season has been phenomenal. Um, Sutter had some really good things to say about him this week, saying, you know, splitting up that line was something that he thought he could do because Hannafin could handle his own line. He didn't need Tanev with him. Um, at first, I was kind of like, oh, you can't break those guys up, but then it makes sense. They've both played so well. Um, I'm I'm all in on Hannafin. I know his name was, you know, bantered around in trade talks in the offseason and prior to the season starting, but I love everything I've seen out of Noah Hannafin. Um, uh, you, you good with Noah Hannafin's growth? You want to see more, or are you, you know, happy as as it is. I mean, I think when you kind of have to step back and look at the season that his development has probably been the best part of a season that's had a lot of uh, not so nice moments, like just to see him really take that next step, which I know they've been clamoring for for years since he was in Carolina, that he never really took that step in his game. But um, so far this year, I think he's been miles above what we've, what we even expected for him. And now that we've seen him kind of, get back to doing what he does best, which is the offensive side of the ice as well. He started close the points again. He was a bit slower at the start of the season, but he's playing really well defensively with Hannafin. And like, yeah, I'm thrilled. I'm absolutely thrilled with where he's gone this season. And to get that kind of praise from Daryl Sutter, who doesn't just hand out willy nilly praise anywhere, I think really is a good indication of where the team views him now. After, like you said, he was in trade rumors last year. I know I heard that he was one of the pieces potentially going for Taylor Hall. Like, it's just, it's been amazing to see how much better he's played. And I thought a lot of that was 
Tanev, but as we've seen the last few games after they've been separated, that he's really carrying a lot of the play himself, and he's looked really good while doing so. Yeah, his offensive numbers, and he's four goals, 10 assists, so that's 14 points in 43 games. He had 22 last year. Um, he's never been a huge point producer. His best year was with Calgary. Um, the year he came over, he had a, he had a 33-point season, so he had five goals and 28 assists in 80 games. But, I mean, I'll take, you know, in a shortened season, there's only 13 games left. He's got only eight points less than he did last year in a 70-point season, so it's not bad. And he went from a minus 12 last year to a plus one this year. So that's good. He's playing a little more physical. His penalty minutes are up. You know, he's got the second most even strength goals he's had in his career this year at four, again, in a shortened season. So, um, you know, I really don't have a problem with Hannafin. His ice time, he's averaging a little over 20 minutes a game. Um, you know, he's, he's got block shots. He's got 38. I've, I'm very happy with Hannafin's development. Um, I think if you're not, then you obviously have something you know something an axe to grind with Hannafin there but I I think what he's done has been fantastic and maybe it took him being excuse me paired with somebody like a veteran presence like Chris Tanev to get him you know his feet on solid ground because they were such a good pairing but I I'm thrilled with it and I would love to see him carry his own line because now you can or his own pairing because now you can start to break things up and you know maybe give Giordano a little less ice time as well yeah I totally agree I think he's going to really be a big piece of this team going forward. Obviously, they felt the same when they signed him to that big deal a few years ago, but to really be getting a lot of return now after a couple of so-so seasons, I think is just a huge and somewhat unexpected benefit for the Flames here and with some of the other young guys they have. like I, I'm feeling pretty confident with the decor going forward, even as Giordano starts to age out and potentially retire in the next couple of years. Yeah, and honestly, I like watching Hannafin develop as a defensive defenseman at this point. You know, his two-way game is good. I just, to me, it's the whole, um, it's not the old Bob Hartley run and gun days where, you know, your defenseman, where Dennis Weidman was, you know, leading all NHL defensemen in points, you know, that type of thing. Like, it's, you know, Sutter's going to play a more lockdown defensive game. I do like the defenseman jumping up in the play, but I'm more interested to see Hannafin playing as a defenseman on the defensive side of the the uh the game as opposed to you know him putting up points i think points are a bonus if he, he can become a semi-lockdown defender some of the flames can count on in that blue line as you know someone who's not going to be out there for you know you know be on the ice for even strength goals and stuff like that i'm i'm all for it so good on you noah hannafin um john jake on facebook asked us do the flames had a shot at jack eichel and do they trade geo in the offseason um i think we've gone down this road a million times with eichel i think if you can get him you get him, but do the Flames have a realistic shot? Uh, I'm assuming Eichel, he's a young kid. He's making a lot of money. He's going to want to go somewhere. First off, he's got to be healthy. Um, he's got a herniated disc, so that's, you know, th those don't exactly heal themselves a quickly and permanently. So he's got to watch out for that. But if you're Jack Eichel and you, you're you going to go somewhere, do you want to go from Buffalo to Calgary, Michael? I mean, probably not, but uh, I, I don't believe he quite yet has any, like, trade restrictions, so it might not be out of his control, but, like, yeah, it's really, you see a lot of guys nowadays who aren't fully kind of bought into where they end up playing. Like, we see guys asking for trade a little bit more often now, it feels like, and um, I don't know, I can't imagine Calgary's near the top of his list, but, um, like I said, if it's out of his control, like, now's the time to try and get him is before he gets all the no trade and no move clauses kicking in a little bit later in his deal. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, if the Flames have something to offer Buffalo that, you know, blows their doors off, 
you know, you could very much be looking at Jack Eichel in a Calgary uniform next year. But if he has any sort of say, I've got to figure he's a he's another Massachusetts kid. He literally grew up 20 minutes from where I live. Um, you got to think he's going to want to go to some bigger East Coast market where he can be more marketable, you know. Not saying like I don't even know if he could go to the Bruins or the Rangers or the Islanders or the Flyers, Devils, something. You know what I mean? He's got. To, I got to think a kid like that's got to be looking. Okay, I can go to Western Canada or I can try to stay on the East Coast. If that's a big if, he has any say in this trade. Who knows? So, um, John, yes, I think we would all love to see Jack Eichel in a Calgary uniform. Is it possible? Eh. You know, I, if, if we'll play good cop, bad cop, I'm going to say no. I don't know. That's just my opinion. Um, and obviously the trade geo in the off season. Um, I think if you can get something from Mark Giordano, absolutely. There was a big argument on Twitter the other day about you can't trade the captain. He's the captain. You know, if you trade the captain, what does it show? And it's like, I don't think that really matters. If Jerome Ginla can be traded, anybody can be traded, right? Yeah, I totally agree. I think, um, I know some people said he's probably going to get exposed to Seattle. And I think that's probably the case. You're going to protect Hannafin, Anderson, and Tanner, I think, pretty clearly. Yep. And if Seattle takes him, so be it. And, you yeah, know, I think it's, I think you trade your captain if you need to make a change. And that's all people have yelled for all off season or all season and the off season before is that this team's overdue for a change. But at the same time, then as soon as you say, well, let's trade you to make a change. People are just going to flip out the other direction. It just seems like you can't really please people no matter what change you decide to make. And I think, Trading Geo is probably the best way to make a change for this team without dealing one of the core, core young pieces. So, yeah, if there's a trade on the table that makes sense, I, I, w- I wouldn't be against it, even though it would kind of hurt for the heart. But, like, you got to think about what's best for the team. And, yeah, I'm all for it if there's a good deal. Yeah, I'm the same way with Giordano. Um, just, it's been, I think I've said it a bunch of times, either here or just even chatting back and forth. It's, it's been sad to watch his game you know, go from that Norris trophy season. And then just last season was fine, fine ish. And then this year it's just kind of fallen off a cliff. Like you feel bad for the guy, you know, and he's, he's not a rah, rah, big time vocal leader. You know, this, you know, this reports floating around, n- none of it corroborated, you know, that maybe he was the issue with Kachuk earlier in the season. And you just kind of feel like, you know, Mark Giordano, maybe uh, you almost like kind of like a Ray Bork guy, you know, maybe you move him toward the end of his career in hopes that he can go somewhere and win something, you know, cause I don't think he's ever going to hoist a Stanley cup in Calgary. So if you could get Giordano on a team somewhere, a la like what Ray Bork did, although Bork had a lot more left in the tank when he went to Colorado <laughs> and it looks like Gio has now, maybe that's a scenario where you trade a, a respected veteran somewhere, or he signs somewhere like in the expansion draft and, you know, kind of gets a chance to do something though. I don't know if Seattle's the best option for that, but yeah, I'm with you. I'm all for, I'm all for trading him. And honestly, if you could trade Joe Newendike, you know, to Dallas to acquire Jerome Ginler, I think you could trade Mark Giordano. That's just to me, it seems because Newendike was a very popular flame when he was traded. Ginler clearly a popular flame when he was traded. This just happens at the end of players' careers. So, all right. We want to thank you guys all for those reader questions. Uh, they were all good. Um, it was nice that one of them wasn't who's going to be the next Flames captain, because I think every time we ask for a reader question, that seems to be the first thing that comes up. So thank you all. Um, and, you know, keep questions coming in, even if we're not asking. Pile them on, and we'll usually throw them in at the end of the podcast. Um, as we close out, Flames and Canadians tonight, a rare 4 p.m. Mountain Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time start. Uh, Michael, you ready for 4 p.m. hockey? 
I was going to say, if this wasn't during a pandemic, 4 p.m. on a Friday afternoon in mid-April, it's absolutely lovely here. That would be just a perfect recipe to watch some hockey out on a patio, but sadly that's not the world we live in, and I'm kind of bummed about that. But I'm ready. Yes, to answer your original question. So, again, a win tonight gets Calgary within two points of Montreal. Uh, and it's uh, standings right now in the North Division uh, find the Flames in fifth place. Um, not even close to the top, so we're not even going to worry about them catching Toronto or anybody else. But um, with 43 games under the belt, the Flames have 41 points. Um, and with uh, Montreal has 40 games under the belt, they have 45. So the Flames win tonight. It's 43 points, and they're two points out. Uh, what are you looking for tonight in, out of Calgary? Um, just more of the same, really. Like They seem to have been really strengthening their defensive game in the last few. And, um, yeah, I'm just kind of looking for more signs that they can reliably shut down Montreal. I think the last three games they've only allowed, I think it's two or three goals against them. Like They're really playing good hockey against Montreal. If we see that happen again today, I think that's just going to put more doubts in the mind of Montreal going the next week when they play three games and four nights against each other. And I don't know. I think if we see like a 6-5 game, if the Flames win, I don't think the Flames or Flames feel nearly as confident going into next week. But yeah, I think just kind of almost, I'm looking for similar to what we saw last night, just a really good solid game and shutting down the big guns on Montreal and leaving there with a win, hopefully. Yeah, and honestly, I'm a big fan of I don't care what the final score is. It doesn't really matter to me. And that was something uh, Markstrom said earlier in the season when the Flames beat Edmonton 6-4. to You know, they asked him, they were like, hey, you know, what would you think of tonight's game? And he gave up four goals. He's like, I don't care how many I give up. As long as I give up one less than the other guy, we're good. And I think that's a great mentality to go in with at this point. You know, you don't get style points. You know, it just does, you know, plus minus, not plus minus, but goal differential. You know, you know, getting it doesn't really matter. It's just win six five win seven six i don't really care as long as they win um i love i've really been liking the the new lines that sutter has put together um it's sad that it took so long to pair gaudreau kachuk and um elias lindholm sorry about that on the same line but that line has really been clicking and it seems like with that line going everything else seems to be going as well um you happy with sutter's lines because I know the yeah, other day we were all kind of like, what the heck is this guy doing? But that's why he's a coach and we're not. Yeah, it's almost kind of crazy to think that playing your three best players together will lead to good results. But <laughs> it's, it's it's been great to watch them. Even I don't even think they got a goal against Montreal last game, but like they just looked really dangerous whenever they were on the ice. Especially I noticed once they get down low, like they were cycling it really well. And it was like almost like bang, bang, boom. And then you'd get a puck right in front and Lindholm or Kachuk would be right there to get a quick shot off. Like they really seem to know where they're going to be. And like Sutter said, like they've been playing with each other. I think the quote was since Christ was a child, which I mean, is just another classic <laughs> Daryl Sutter press conference moment. Of course, that's what he does. But it's, no, I think they've been great. And then I've also really liked Manjapani and Dubé with Monaghan. I think they're two players that can complement Monaghan well. And... I think they're both good enough playmakers to kind of set Monaghan up for his token good chances in front, but also to control enough play to kind of keep that line flowing at both ends of the ice. Yeah, no, I'm 100% with you on that line of the uh, monaghan Manjapani uh, dubey line because Dubé and Manjapani for smaller guys have that grit. They've got a little, they're a little bit feisty. So um, it gives that line a little bit of punch. Whereas Monaghan, I, I know, you know, he was told to, 
try to be more physical and he tried to do it. It's just Monahan playing physical just doesn't work because it takes away from his offensive game. So I like him on a line with two players like that who are both playmakers, but also by guys who can both drive the net, get into the corners, get in those greasy areas and do the things that maybe no knock on him that Johnny Gaudreau doesn't do, you know, so maybe that helps Monahan a little bit on that line, but I'm with you. I like, I like that whole setup as well. Um, so yeah, hopefully the flames can keep it going in Montreal. So uh, you're going with six, five tonight. Is that your prediction? Yeah, I don't. I don't think they're going to be able to shut Montreal down again. I think it's going to be a little bit of a wild one. But they, the Flames, have been able to score again lately. So yeah, I'm going to go five three for Calgary. Okay, excellent. I haven't even looked at the lines yet. I haven't seen anything today, so um, I'm going to throw it out there, and I'm going to be the ultra positive guy after being semi negative and trying to play bad cop in this. I think I'm going to go uh, Calgary four um, two. I don't think it'll be an easy four to two victory, but I think it'll be a better game and it'll be a lot closer than final score. So um, we both got Calgary winning, which means, you know, it's going to happen. They're going to lose five, nothing, right? Yeah. A hundred percent. That's what they do. All right. Excellent. So flames and Canadians, uh, 4 PM mountain time from bell center in Montreal. Uh, if you live on the East coast, like me, that is a 6 PM start. So we are going to uh, edit this podcast as quickly as possible and get it up for you. Michael, thank you so much for coming on today and talking a little Calgary flames hockey. Thanks Mark. It was fun as always. Alrighty, if you enjoyed this podcast, you can find us on iTunes, Google Podcast, and Spotify. Just search The Tinderbox or Matchsticks and Gasoline or find us under any Calgary Flames podcast. You can find us on Twitter at MatchsticksCGY on the internet at www.matchsticksandandgasoline.com or on Facebook, Matchsticks and Gasoline. Flames and Canadians tonight, a big game. Calgary can get within two points of fourth place Montreal. We thank you all for listening, and we will catch you next time on the Tinderbox.